Let us look at the Word of God from Isaiah chapter 61. I'll read to you the first seven verses. Isaiah chapter 61. This is the Word of God. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, and that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Thus far the reading of the Word of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that You would open to us Your Word, and that You would strengthen us through the Word, but that You would fill our, our hearts with a love for You and that we will gain understanding in who You are. For we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, we celebrate tonight the coming of Jesus Christ into this world how Jesus, the Son of God, was born as a little baby into this world. But why did He come into this world? What was the purpose for Jesus coming into this world? Or did Jesus just want to come down and kind of see how it is to live in this world? Why do Christians around the world celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ? Well, many of us would say that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Right? That that was the ultimate purpose of Jesus coming into the world. And that is true. But I think it does not reflect the full purpose of what the whole together of this glorious coming of Jesus into the world. And when Jesus came into this world, one day He, he sat in a sin. It's kind of like the, the church there in, in Israel. He sat at the synagogue and he, he asked the scroll to be given to him of Isaiah. And then it was rolled open. The scrolls they rolled out. And he read this passage. And it was at the beginning of his ministry. And what he was saying with that is this. Isaiah prophesied my ministry. Isaiah prophesied the very reason why Jesus Christ came into this world. And so tonight, rather than speaking about baby Jesus, I want to speak to you about the very purpose of Jesus coming into this world. Why do we celebrate that? Why is it crucial for you and me to know this Jesus? And this is what it said in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God 
is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, being anointed was God's sign that a person was set apart for a special purpose. So they would, uh, for example, if you know your Old Testament well, what would happen when, uh, when God said, I want David to be my king, the prophet was sent with a point of oil and ointment, and he was to anoint the king so that David would be the servant of God as a king in Israel. Jesus here says the Spirit of God, not a prophet with physical oil, but the Spirit of God came upon him to lay out the ministry and that was the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so this evening, I want to take with you a few moments to look at these things. Why Jesus Christ came in the world for you and for me, but most of all for the glory of God. So this is the first point. He came to bring good news to the poor. It says here in Isaiah 61, He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now what are the poor? Well, the word poor means poor in possessions, or poor in spirit, or poor in confidence, or poor in heart. It describes somebody who has a great need. A person who is in dire need of salvation from his poverty, from his hunger, from his uh, homelessness, whatever the situation may be. But Jesus Christ came into this world not simply to to bound the temporary wounds, not to simply help the sick who are temporarily sick. He came here for a far greater poverty. And it's the poverty that every one of us were born with into this world. The poverty of having sin in our lives. And if there is any poverty that is eternal, it's the poverty of sin. When we have sin in our lives, it destroys everything. We see it in our, in our families, don't we? Can you imagine if there would be a husband and a wife without sin? That would be an amazing family, wouldn't it? Imagine parents and children all without sin. I mean, the, the, the joy of just that thought, isn't it? Or what if my heart was without sin? Wouldn't that be amazing? That there would never be a, a deceptive thought or a dark thought or a wrong desire or a wrong emotion or an unjust jealousy of any kind, but that my heart would be pure. Jesus Christ came into this world because everyone who has sinned falls short of the glory of God. In other words, if you have sin in your life, a lot of sin or little sin, Hitler's type of sin or uh, the best person you may know kind of sin. You cannot enter into the presence of God because your sin would affect all of heaven, first of all. Right? If heaven would be filled with sinners, what would the place be like? If there was all jealousy and anger and selfishness and pride, hell, heaven would turn itself into a hell. But even more than that, we have gathered up this guilt before God. Right now we have consciousness, and, and if your conscience works like mine, the first time when you were young and you did something wrong, it's like a shock and your heart beats. Right? And you're afraid. What, what, what if I'm going to get caught? But then if you keep sinning, that beating heart gets kind of quiet and silent. And after a while, your, your conscience is just kind of numb and just kind of walks through life and you don't feel 
this sin. It's, it's kind of the messenger of sin has kind of quieted its mouth. But the sin is still there. And this is the difficulty because God knows all things, which is wonderful because He sees us right now. At the same time, it also means that He will never forget any of the sins that we did. And so it has to be dealt with. Now, imagine standing before God, not before me, because quite honestly, there might be many of you, if you would compare your life to mine, you'd be a a bit better or, or far better. But if you stand next to Jesus Christ, whose heart is pure, who never said a wrong word, who always chose to worship God and to love His fellow man, how would, you, how would you stand next to Him? If Jesus is this one clothed in righteousness and perfect beauty, then you stand there as, as a beggar, isn't it? As a man who is stained by sin. As a man who has lived for 80 years on the street with the same cloak, smelly and dirty. And Jesus said, has anointed me to set the poor people at the place with God. To reclothe the poor people. To take away the garment of shame and sin and all the debts and take that away. Jesus came into this world to be man so that He could take your life and replace it with righteousness. With perfect righteousness. You see what is going on? Jesus came into this world. He made Himself poor so that He could make the poor of this world, sinners like you and me, rich forever with God. That is what He is saying. Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom so that whoever believed in Him would enter into the riches of the righteousness of God. Let us go to the second point. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus did not come to sponsor the proud, but to bind up the brokenhearted. My dear friends, if your idea of Christianity is for the people who are perfect, who's got it everything together, who know how to do all things well and to say all things well, and the people who from birth to death are perfect, you've got the wrong idea. You see... Jesus Christ, a Christian, is a person who says, I have a broken heart. I cannot come to you with proud, but I come to you with brokenness, asking for mercy rather than a reward. And so Jesus Christ came as a doctor to heal the brokenhearted. He came into this world to comfort His people through the healing in their lives, to take out sin and to restore it with a heart that loves God and loves his neighbor. Dear friends, are you pressed down by life and hardships that you've come across in this world? Are you wearied down and brought down by the sin in your own heart? Have you tried, as I had for many, for a long time? Have you tried to try to work yourself up to a standard that it's at least acceptable before God? If you've got your act together... So that God can accept your, your plea for forgiveness. No. That's never going to work. You're never going to meet that level. Because trying to clean yourself, right? It's, it's this idea of, of, a, of, a, of a bride who, finds, who has her hands full of mud. And then she finds a little stain on her dress. 
And she said, I'll take care of that. And she puts her hand and tries to rub off the stain. And then it's, it's, it's all black and then something goes to the other side and she tries to rub there. And in no time, the whole dress is defiled. That's us trying to fix ourselves. Well, Jesus says, I came to the brokenhearted. To those who say, I am a sinner and I can do nothing to please you. And every time I try, I just seem to fall further and further and further. Is there any mercy with you? That's the amazing thing. We've been going here through John, the Gospel of John. And there's a woman in the Gospel of John, and I love this story, this history. It's the Samaritan woman. She had had five husbands. She was now living together with a man. And she was among the Samaritans. She was pushed out because at the middle of the day, at the heat of the day, she had to walk out and get water. So she was despised among the Samaritans who were, the Samaritans were despised by the Israelites. So here you have the outcasts of the outcast. You know what Jesus does? He travels to find this woman. And he promises her eternal life. That's the kind of God that came down into this world in the form of a man as a baby born into this world to die, not as a baby for babies, but as a baby for any man, any woman who would come to Him for forgiveness. Whether you are a person who has sinned in the obvious and have robbed banks or whatever, or if you are a person whom everybody thinks is picture perfect of a person, and you know the sins of your heart, Jesus Christ says, give that heart to Me, and I will heal it. I will make it whole and I will make you and I will make you into the perfect righteousness before God. That when you stand before God and you think that God is going to remember all that sin and all that junk, it's going to say, welcome. Come in to the joy of your Master and to the joy of your Lord. Thirdly, He came to proclaim liberty. Ever, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin has Captive has held us captive. If you've ever met a person who is addicted to something, you know what sin can do. And it's easy if you're an outsider to say, well, just stop it. Right? If you have a difficulty with drinking and a person is a heavy alcoholic, you say, well, just stop drinking. You can drink water, you can survive. It's not that easy. Or whatever other addiction. But my dear friends, the Bible tells us that all of us are bound captive to sin whether you're a sin that damages you or you're just a regular liar or a gossiper or a person who is jealous. You see, this captivity is not limited to the things that we call captivity. If you're a person who is constantly jealous of other people, you're a captive. You're held captive by jealousy. If you're a person who is constantly bitter about your friends, your family, the world, whatever it is, you're held captive by this bitterness, isn't it? Isn't that the experience that we go through life? Imagine if whatever your sin is or whatever your self-identity is or whatever we call it, let's face it, if that would be out of your life, wouldn't that be freedom? Wouldn't that be freedom? Jesus Christ came and says, I know the things that you struggle with. 
And they're not accidents, they are sin. And they're things that have to be dealt with. But I came into this world to become like you, so that you can become like me. And so he came to proclaim liberty. Jesus Christ came to set prisoners free from sin, because he killed sin on the cross. That little baby, Jesus, that we sing so sweetly about, would one day, his mother would look upon him as he went on the cross and died, so that you might live. You see, I've often I said it even this morning, be amazed that we could not even imagine what the punishment of what the what the, the punishment that Jesus bore upon the cross, what that must have been. But at the same time, can you imagine having to go from heaven into this world? Being forever and ever used to the fellowship with your Father, your Heavenly Father, always in the joy and the praises of God's presence, always being united forever and ever with God, and suddenly you come and is born into this world as a baby, being spit upon, chased away, having to escape through the crowd because people want to kill you and say you're an imposter because He loved you. And it was a joy. Don't miss that. Jesus didn't do it grudgingly because, well, I'm God and that's what the Bible tells me. No. He is the author of salvation. He is the one who planned to come fully knowing what it would be like. But He came for you. And He had the joy in His heart that He would suffer for you so that you would one day live in His presence. Fourth, he came to proclaim the Lord's favor and vengeance. Jesus did not only come to do things, he came to proclaim. And this is crucial. In the Lord's day, in the day of the Lord in the Old Testament is often a fearful day. It's a day of vengeance, a day of judgment, a dark day. Jesus came to proclaim two days. Did you read that in our text? Two days. A day of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, in verse 2. And that's the serious reality of our life here. Tonight, you hear that Jesus Christ came to die for your sin. That He did everything. That He has fully paid and fully prepared the price for your salvation. They can do two things. You can, you can accept Him and say, yeah, mend my broken heart, heal me, wash away my sin, cleanse me, make me new. Or you can say, forget it. You call me a sinner? No. I'm not that bad. I just got to get my act together. My dear friends, there will be a separation at the end of this age, at the end of the world, where some who have accepted Jesus Christ will live forever with Jesus Christ, and those who have rejected Him will forever be judged under the vengeance of God. You see, all these little lights everywhere, they're a little twinking, right? This is the season of lights. It's outside, it's dark, and so we put lights everywhere. Why? Well, because we like it, we're, you know... 21st century Americans, and we like to have lights everywhere, and that's just how we celebrate this time. That's true, but I think we can, the Bible is very clear what the light also stands for. 
Jesus came as the light into the world. A light that is clearly seen, and all these little lights bear witness to the great light. To give you light. To say, come into the house of your Father. I have seen you before the world began. I knew you, you, your that you would be born. I knew your sin. I knew your very life. And still, after knowing everything, the darkness and the sin and whatever the sin is, He knows. And He said, still, I want to shine with my light into the darkness and make it fully light. Clean away everything. Wash away everything. Forgive everything. For the Lord's favor will be upon you. Point five. They came to bring royal robes. Listen to this in verse three. He was anointed to grant those to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. My dear friends, I think so often we think about Christianity. Jesus died for your sins so you can go to heaven. End of the story. Oh, there's far more here. You see what is going on here is this. It's not just the taking away of your sin, the forgiveness of your sin. What it's saying is this. You're going to get a whole new robe, a whole new appearance. You will go from mourning in your sin and the brokenness of your heart to the oil of gladness, the festivities can begin to those who are in Jesus Christ. And again, as being people, many of us from a Dutch background, our festivities are often internalized, right? But here, the things, the festivities here are a joyful festivity. The, the people of that time know how to celebrate. And that's the thing that he's speaking about. What he's saying is this. Imagine this city here that is full of mourning and everybody is sad, everybody is lost people and have lost everything. The possessions are, are gone. The fridge is run empty, so to speak. There is nothing. And then this king comes riding in and he gives them, he restores everything. And he makes this city from this poverty-stricken area to a browsing city full of life and joy and laughing, smiling faces. He says that's what happens to the heart of those who accept Jesus Christ and believe in Him. A life of joy. A life filled with God. Why? Because God is in the heart. You see, this is the amazing thing about the Bible. It starts with the Garden of Eden, where man and Adam and Eve walk with God. Then they sin, and it's separated. But at the end of the Bible, it says that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and the sun will be no more because the glory of God is the light in that place. There will be no, He comes in the morning dew and speaks to His people. He will be there every, every moment. I've said this before, but we live in a cold, in a seasonal climate. And at the end of a long winter, isn't it true that when people go out and the sun begins to break through and it warms the skin, that everybody begins to have a smile on his face and everybody thinks they're suddenly forgiven. Right? And suddenly the, the smile can break through the hardships of the day. That's nothing compared to heaven. We've lived in this world in a struggle against our sin, but then we come and meet God face to face through the glory of who He is and His light, not just His 
fiery ball in the sky, but the eternal light of God will reflect of our faces on our new bodies, and we will be with the Lord forever. That's amazing. Clothed in righteousness. And this is the reality. It's not just then and there. The reason why Christians can pray is because it is now. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is clothed with robes of righteousness so that you can come into your heavenly Father's home and say, Abba, Father, I have a request. Not as a man who has no chance of being heard by the king, but as a son coming to his father. That's amazing. That's astonishing. Point six. He came to build up the ancient ruins. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were removed from the Garden of Eden. And here in Isaiah's time, the cities have turned into rubble and ruins. But Isaiah prophesies that that which was crushed down, that which was destroyed, will be raised up. The ancient ruins will be rebuilt and will be far more glorious than it ever was. My dear friends, when I look into the world, sometimes I get very discouraged. When you look at it, it seems to be that the news of this world must by preference be negative and hard and fights and struggles. And whatever party you might be on, there is always fighting everywhere. And if it's not political fighting, then it's physical fighting. And then there's rape and baby killing and everything else. And I look into this world and I think if my heart is grieved, how much more God's heart. And then I read this verse. The ancient ruins will be restored. There will be a day where the news will not be this and that has gone wrong, but that God will be the news day in, day out, forever and ever. And even now, and that's the beauty, when a Christian, when a person becomes a Christian, the ancient ruins are already restoring. Do you see that? They're already a new creation. Part of that new heavens and earth is already beginning to sprout here. We see it already breaking through the ground of humanity, this new life of walking with God, of seeing Him, of singing praises to God. Jesus came to give life here on earth. If all you have seen in your life is a Christianity that is all future, well, we just do this today because we hope someday it will be better. You haven't met Christianity, my beloved. Christianity is a life that is here and now radically different. A life of knowing God, walking with God, praying to God, and God speaking to us. And even though we go through the hardship of this day, in the middle of these hardships, we receive the grace of God and walk with Him in this world. For eternal life is to know Jesus Christ and Him whom He has sent. The last point, the seventh point, He came to raise a nation of priests for Yahweh. Finally, Jesus came to raise a nation of priests. Well, you say, that was really not the high point of all of this, and I'm going to be a priest one day. Well, I think is that is because we misunderstand what a priest here is. 
A priest here is not so much a person who walks around in different clothing or who lives a a celibate life or something like that. The priest here is a man or a woman here. I think it's both, a man and a woman, who lives forever in the presence of God, who will be day in, day out, always seeing the infinite glory of God. As we will go from one degree of glory to the next, one day we will meet God and see Him face to face. And stand in the presence of God. What's that like? Well, Moses could tell us. You remember when Moses went up the mountain? And he went into the presence of God? His face radiated when he came down. The glory of God had radiated off his face. And so he had to cover his face because the people could not look at the face of Moses. There will be a day if you're in Jesus Christ that you will not walk into the presence of God and be filled with the glory of God, but yet you will live there and have and move and have your being in the presence of God. So my dear friends, yes, Jesus came down to this earth to die for sinners, but it's so much more. He came to prepare a people who would live forever and ever in His presence. My question to you tonight, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you come to know Him? Do you walk with Him? Do you have? Have you come to Him with your broken heart and say, heal my broken heart that I might be born again? That I might be a person who's not thinking he's a Christian, but who is a Christian? Who has been transformed, who now lives with the glory of God, with the joy of God in his heart? whose heart has been changed, that it's no longer these difficult commandments or these things I should do for God. But, oh God, I walk with you day by day. A new heart. My dear friends, if that's not the case, I can't give you that. But God sees you right now. He sees you all the time. And if you believe and trust on Him and Ask Him for salvation. He will certainly give it. This is the amazing thing. For whoever believes on the Son of God will have eternal life. If you believe on the Son of God, you will have, you will have eternal life. And God will transform your life. My dear friends, if you knew Him, rejoice in God. There is nothing in the world that can even come close to the joy and the treasure of knowing and loving Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. The Heavenly Father, we thank You for You, for Your Word, for Your great mission, for Your great anointing. Father, I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ might fill all of our hearts with joy, knowing that You made us and You know us And Father, you even know that constant conversation we have with ourselves, our inward self, our mind, you have seen it all and know it all. Father, we pray that we might all know you through faith in Jesus Christ. For we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.